We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tom Connor asks, uh, with Deuce Knight at the top of the list, how hard is it to adjust to a lefty QB? You know, I think this is a little overrated. It, it, honestly, I don't think it's that challenging. I think we saw that in 2015. I mean, you went from Malik Zaire to, to Sean Kaiser in the middle of a game, and there weren't any issues with guys catching the ball. I think that it, it, with anything, if you got reps – you get a lot of reps with the guy, look, you could go from a right-hander to a right-hander and they throw the ball completely different and it's going to have a greater impact on you than going from righty to lefty when the guys throw the ball similarly. So I I don't think it's a huge adjustment. I think it takes, it takes a little getting used to the time where it can be a problem is like when you first put a lefty on the roster, it may take a little getting used to because here's, here's the one difference. Number one is the ball comes out differently. So if I'm throwing to the left, the ball is going to come out at a different angle. My Where I'm finding the ball is going to be different, whereas a righty, I got to look back a little bit more if I'm breaking the left, where a lefty, it's going to kind of be there, and then it's flipped on the right side. And the other thing is the ball spins in a different direction. You know, if a righty snaps it, the ball is going to spin this way. If a lefty snaps it, the ball is going to spin that way. It's got a reverse rotation. But if the ball is thrown similarly, then I don't think it matters. I, I, I think they'll, they'll get used to it pretty quickly. It takes – work but that's true of any quarterback it takes work to get used to him and I think that's you know that's kind of where I'm at with that so uh, I don't think it's a big adjustment for me I really don't if you it's like you have if you get reps you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move on to the next question here, Ryan. John A1 has how many Notre Dame teams, if any, produced and played to their full potential in the modern era? That team is as good as it possibly could have been, been, maybe 2005. Thoughts? I think the 05 team, for the most part, maxed out how good it could be. I think that was close. I think the 2012 team maxed out how could it, how good it could have been uh, up through, in the regular season anyway. I think we all know kind of what happened sort of in the, the bowl game, what we found out, what the team was going through, which we didn't find out till later going into the bowl game. But I think that 2012 team – did a pretty good job of maxing out its a its talent. I think the the I'm trying to think back to through to that. I mean, Davy had a year. Was it the what was the year that Notre Dame played Oregon State in the, in the Fiesta Bowl? Was that was that ninety nine or two thousand? I forget which year it was. I thought that team got the most out of what they could do. I mean, I, 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 let me look. I think it was two. I, I think it was two thousand. It might have been ninety nine. I might be. I might be getting this. It's backwards, but it was it, yeah, it was the it was the it was the two thousand team. You know, they they lost to number one Nebraska in overtime. If you never watched that game, that was a, a, a really fun game. And Notre Dame lost, but yeah, like Julius Jones had a hundred yard kick return in that game. You had um Joe Joey Getherall had a, a punt return for a touchdown that game. Notre Dame battled that Nebraska team really well. Opened the season off with a win over number twenty five Texas A and M. Beat them pretty convincingly. Went out the next week, had a great game against Nebraska, beat Purdue at home the next week. That Purdue team, pardon me, was ranked number 13 when they played. Uh, that was a really good football team. They had Drew, that was Drew Brees' senior season uh, at Purdue. They won that game 23-21. Then they go on the road the next week against number 23 Michigan State, lose by six. Then they rattle off, I think it was at seven, I'm looking at it now, seven straight wins beat West Virginia, beat Navy, beat Stanford, Air Force, BC, Rutgers, went on the road and beat USC. Julius Jones had a – th- I think that's the game where he had a really big game. And then they played Oregon State in the bowl game and got annihilated. But, like, if I remember correctly, Matt Lavecchio played. It Didn't Arnez battle – what game did Arnez battle get hurt in? Let me, let me find this real quick. I, so, so he uh, started the season against AM and – I'm trying to see here. I'm trying to remember when Arnez Battle got hurt that season, but it was very early, and they played the whole season with Matt Lavecchio, at quarterback, who was just not good. And I mean, no disrespect to Matt Lavecchio, but he was just he was just not good. And um, he, uh, yeah. And when Arnez came back, I, I I can't remember what happened, but. But uh, they played Matt Lavecchio a big chunk of that season, and he was not good. And for that team to go 9-2 and two and make it the Fiesta Bowl and beat the teams they beat, I mean, beat Drew Brees, you know, beat a ranked A&M team, to that, for them to get the Fiesta Bowl, that was as good as that team was going to be, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's as, as good of a team as they were going to be, in my view. There, there aren't – and most teams don't reach their full potential. I mean, in, in recent years, we've seen 18 Clemson was, was pretty much played to its potential – 
19 LSU, pretty much played with potential. 20 Alabama, you'll get a team here or there. TCU this past year absolutely played to their full potential. It doesn't happen often because you're going to have injuries and you're going to have somebody doesn't play as well and somebody's you're going to have all these different things. But um, Notre Dame underachieved. There's a difference between not playing your potential and underachieving. And Notre Dame's had a lot of underachieving seasons the last 30 years where they should have been better, but not a ton that I would say played to its full, full potential, to be honest with you. And that's been part of my issue. Irish Blood said, how was the anniversary dinner? It was uh, great. My wife loves going to Ruth Chris, so I was able to make a reservation there and have fun with her and have some leftovers that uh, I need to heat up today to finish those off. But no, it was, it was nice. And, you know, get a chance to spend time with my wife. We got a booth at Ruth's Chris. They don't have a lot of those. And they had like a sign. They gave us like a special dessert. And, you know, and I had a gift card, so it didn't sting as much, uh, which which was nice. <laughs> so it uh, didn't hurt my wallet as much as uh, as it would if I didn't have a gift card. I don't think I've ever been to Ruth's Chris without a gift card. So it's a, I don't know if you've ever been there. That's a really expensive place to eat food. And uh, so it's, it's not really a place I'm comfortable going to and just paying out of pocket the entire thing. I just don't really roll like that, to be honest with you. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And um, so we, we were going to go out to the mall afterwards. And uh, 15 years of marriage is supposedly what I was told by my mom, a couple other people, that 15 years of marriage is, is it, what you're supposed to do is buy a timepiece for your spouse. And so I bought Angela a new Apple Watch last night. And so we were going to go do that on, on after dinner, but we got done with dinner too late and the mall closes at like eight o'clock. So we ended up going, hanging out last night and then going out to dinner afterwards last night, went to a place called Papa Vino's in town, which I really like. I started going there like in the last year. I'd never really been there before. And it's pretty good. It's an Italian place. And uh, I got the manicotti, which is really good. Enjoyed it very much. And they give you like, just like fresh baked bread, like just a loaf of bread um, beforehand, which I, I, I love. I absolutely love so, but yeah, thank you for asking. And thanks for all that. We had so many people reaching out on Twitter and different places, wishing us happy anniversary. I really appreciate that. And really appreciate y'all's, um, y'all's understanding of why we didn't show, do a show on, on Wednesday. And Tyler asks, how many years have we been together and then married? Um, we've been married for 15 years. We dated for less than a year before we got married. And that's what happens when you don't meet your soulmate, I guess, until you're old. I was like 29 when I got married, but yeah, we, we met about a, a little less than a year before we got married. We got engaged in December and got married in uh, in April. So, yeah, it was pretty quick. Pretty quick. Dumbest decision she's ever made, best one I've ever made. So that's the way I look at it. And I'm very happy that she made that dumb decision. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very blessed. I have, a, I have a great wife. I'm a very supportive wife. I mean, she designed the logo. She's she actually came up with the name Irish Breakdown because when we first started the Irish Maven thing, I hated that name and I didn't want to name my podcast and stuff that name because I wanted it to always be independent. And she's the one that came up with the name Irish Breakdown. So, yeah, I, I she's she's where I'm at rock. I love that lady. So, yeah, thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. John Mayerner says the Mount Rushmore of defensive players in the NFL who you got. OK, so let's go with uh, defensive linemen, a, a defensive lineman, a linebacker uh, and a DB, a DB. There's four right on Mount Rushmore, there's four people. So let's go corner and a safety. My D lineman, I don't know why, but I've just always kind of viewed Deacon Jones as like just I don't know, like a. When I think of D line in the history of D line play, I always think of Deacon Jones. I don't un, don't know why I just always have. 
So he'd be my D line on the uh, the Mount Rushmore of defensive players. My linebacker would be Dick Buckus. Just again, when you think linebacker play, you think Dick Buckus. When I think of uh, cornerbacks, I mean, boy, this is a tough one because there's been so many great corners over the years. I'd, I'd probably put that's uh, a that's I tell you what, you know, what I'm gonna put on. I'm gonna put Daryl Green on there because. He played for a long time, and he was a, supposedly a, just a, a great guy. I'm going to probably have him on there. Dion's probably the best corner I've ever seen, but I just can't put Dion on there. And then the last one at safety is going to be my my personal bias coming through, and it's Steve Atwater. I, I got to get I got to get a Bronco on there, guys. You you know I can't have not have a Bronco on there. And Steve Atwater was my favorite safety um, of all time. So um, anyone that can knock out Christian Okoye the way he did on Monday Night Football while mic'd up deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore of defensive players. So, uh, yeah, and offensive players. I mean, you know who I, you know who I would have on that one, right? It's John Elway quarterback. It's uh, it's Barry Sanders at running back. It's Jerry Rice at wide receiver. Offensive line would be the 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 one the one I'd be a little unsure of of who should be on that one. Probably Orlando Pace. Probably be on that for me. Uh, him or maybe Jonathan Ogden. Just trying to think of some some different guys, but that would be my that would be mine for offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, good questions today. Fun questions today. David Lowe, ha- has our offensive line recruiting declined <clears throat> since the Rudolph hire? I see we have a three-star committed and another unranked lineman in your article a few days ago. Well, if you're going to base it off of just recruiting rankings, David, then yes, it's declined because recruiting rankings are it's not as good. Uh, but I will repeat again, I think just looking at recruiting rankings is a terrible way to look at because you know who else was a three-star when he committed to Notre Dame it's a guy named Joe Alt he was a three-star when he committed to Notre Dame uh, he turned out to be pretty good uh, Nick Martin was a three-star when he committed to Notre Dame Mike McGlinchey was a three-star when he committed to Notre Dame uh, rivals thought that Liam Eikenberg was a three-star until he played in the all-star game and dominated so I, I just don't care about rankings the other part of it is, is it has it declined? It's way too early to tell. I, Ryan and I have talked about this. I have some concerns and some question marks, but I just don't know enough about some of these players and, and haven't had a chance to break down game film to the point where I could say definitively, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm willing to admit that I, I'm, I'm concerned about it. I, I'm concerned that they're not – like, I don't understand. Here, here's an example for me, right? Like, Ryan and I have talked about this a little bit. I don't understand how you're recruiting Aiden Lynch and bringing him on a visit, but yet you're not going to recruit Caleb Brewer hard anymore. It makes zero sense to me. And, and I understand why you like Anthony Knapp because you evaluated him in person multiple times, but then I don't understand why, um, why, oh yeah, it's, Ryan just texted me, Caleb Brewer's a three-star too. So David probably doesn't like him as a player. Uh, but you know, so why do you recruit him, but then not give Caleb Brewer the opportunity to prove himself to you? It's like, cause you didn't work him out. So I, it, there's some things that I question so far, but I want to try to give coach Rudolph the benefit of the doubt and give him more than a month or two months to, to figure it out. But, uh, so far I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm not really ready to say it's declined. It's way, way too early to say that it's declined at this point in time. I want to give it more time. Let me give him more time, but I, w- I will honestly, I will be honest with you and say that, yes, I do have, I do have some concerns. I do have some concerns. And Davis says, I have no problem with three stars. I just know that Notre Dame is known for being elite on the O-line. Yes, again, but some of the elite players they've had were not very highly ranked guys. 
Right? I mean, that's just the rep. Zach Martin was, I don't think, a Rivals 250 guy. He was a four-star. He was a Rivals 250 guy. Ronnie Stanley was not a top 100 recruit. He's not barely a top 200 recruit. Uh, Lee Meikenberg was was barely a top 200 recruit because of how low Rivals ranked him. Uh, we've seen this before, right? We've seen a lot of these guys turn. Joe Walt was a three-star. A lot of these guys were not highly ranked guys that turned out to be stars. It's the talent and the projection, not the stars. And if you think that you're just going to grow recruit highly ranked linemen and that's going to equal great team, that's just not how it works, in my opinion. So I'm I'm willing to give him uh, some time, but my early returns are yeah I'm 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 concerned, but I'm just trying to be a little bit patient on this one. I'm going to super chat from Chino Aguirre. Thank you, Chino, very very much. He says just showing some love and appreciation. God bless all go Irish. Appreciate you, Chino, very very much, very very much. Uh, means that a lot. I did want to say something real quick too. Yesterday, late in the show, we had something from Kirk Anderson. Uh, he had a super chat that we didn't get to. Uh, Kirk, if you're in the show today, please throw that question in again. I'd love to answer for you without a super chat. And then also, uh, Chill2177 asked a question. And I keep, I don't know why, but I, uh, whenever I see that name, I say Chili. And I don't know why, but it's Chill. So I apologize for that, Chill that I got that incorrect. So those, those two just popped in my head as I was, uh, as, as Chino was giving us uh, thanks and love and appreciation. Cause I appreciate y'all too. I appreciate you Chino and I appreciate all the others. And when I don't get a name, right. I, I do apologize. There's no disrespect intended on that. And that's why we always say, if I get your name wrong, let me know and I'll fix it. I'll definitely fix it. So let's, let's move on to uh, some more. John a one says, how many Notre Dame teams? Um, we actually got this one already. It's about the full potential one. T-Guns, Crocs and Glocks. What is your guy's favorite hobby that you get to do the most? Which one of you, which one, which one you like to be able to do more often? I don't really have a lot of hobbies, to be honest with you. I work all the time. I mean, I wish I had more hobbies. My wife and I have talked about this. I want to join a bowling league. I love to bowl. I was a really good bowler when I was a kid. And we bowled one year of our marriage. We were in a league and it was a lot of fun. I ended up with like a 190 average wasn't very good but like i was like 130 after the first month and a half because i hadn't bowled in a long time and um yeah i would like to be like in a bowling league that'd be a lot of fun i I, that'd be a blast my wife and i uh would would enjoy doing that but i still have time for it Uh, i'd love to get out to the gun range more i don't have time to do that i haven't been in a month and a half two months uh, which is just way too long to to be out there. So I'd like to do that more. I, that's become a hobby. I, I like to practice and be good at it. I think anyone that's going to own a firearm needs to, you know, take gun safety very seriously. You, you need to practice and get good at it and make sure that you know how to use it and all that kind of stuff. But it's also something enjoyable for me. I didn't think it would be when I first bought a pistol, but it it is. I enjoy it. Um, and and getting out in the fresh air and because the range that we go to, uh, the the range that I belong to is actually an outdoor range. So when I go to the range, it's out, it's outside. And so, um, um, that's, that's a lot of fun, but you know, I mean, just hobbies. I mean, I, I used to love to read. I just don't have, don't have the time for it. Well, I need to make the time for it. Um, I, I like, re- I have a, like five bookshelves of books, all different types of things. I used to love to read. I just don't have, have time for it to be honest with you. Um, yeah. So that's, um, that's one. I want to bring up one at the bottom, Ryan. It just came up because I forgot to mention this earlier. Uh, in Tommy Gunn's question. He says, Brian, what are your Easter traditions? So they've changed over time. When I was a kid, it was Easter egg hunting and getting candy. And one of the things my mom would do is, you guys remember those like 
it's not it's not like baseball almanacs, but like they it was like red and white. It was like this baseball magazine that had every player in the major leagues had all their career stats. My mom used to get me stuff like that, give me like baseball previews when I was a kid. I used to love that. Um, now that I'm older, um, my wife and I we do just sort of a thing at home. I mean, we'll, we'll sometimes we'll go to church, um, and you know we we do a thing where I'll make fresh bread and we'll just kind of sort of do that at home. We'll just kind of pray over, you know, the, 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 this is my body, this is the blood and all that. And we'll, we'll do that, um, at home in kind of a ceremony with juice. I don't, I don't drink alcohol. It's nothing wrong with it. I just personally don't like the taste of alcohol. My wife drinks wine. It's not a judgment on alcohol. I just don't, I don't like it. And so we'll do that and pray over that. We'll do some things together this year. I'm going to, this weekend, I'm going to just binge the chosen. Absolutely love that series. Probably read a little bit of the Bible along with each thing just to kind of get a read for it in that regard. But, uh, um, yeah, so those, those are mine. And I forgot to answer that earlier, but, uh, we, we, we've been trying to find a church the last couple of years. We left the church we were at and, uh, we finally found one. So I'm, been a couple of years since I've been at an Easter service, to be honest with you. So I'm looking forward to to being at one and seeing what the new church we've been going to, um, what the new church we've been going to uh, does for Easter because we've never we've never been there. So uh, Tyler Eric, I'm going to answer a couple of these at the bottom. Ryan, uh, this is from Tyler Eric. He says, "What's the bowling personal record? Mine's 266 because I actually choked in the tenth frame. I had a perfect game going to the ninth." <clears throat> And I didn't really think about getting a, a uh, 300 until like I struck in the ninth and I was like, holy crap, like I got a chance to go 300. And I completely choked in the 10th frame. I, I, I didn't hit the head pin either shot. First shot, 10th frame, I hit six. I hit it short right, had one, two, was it one, two, four, seven. And I completely whiffed on the next one. So I went six open and hit it 266. So I was so disappointed in myself. But yeah, never... Never, um, never, uh, been better than that. But again, I, I've only bowled one year in, since I was in eighth grade, I stopped bowling in the eighth grade. So, um, yeah, it'd be fun to do that again, but I just like, I like to do it. I try not to be super competitive, but I don't really like the golf because everyone I ever golfed with just like takes it way too seriously. But I think I'd enjoy golfing if someone just didn't take it seriously and just was out there knowing we suck and was fine with it. And, I just like doing things where I get out outside and I don't get a chance to do that a lot with this current job. So that's some fun personal questions today. I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all asking today. That's what mailbag's right. So what what we'll answer pretty much whatever. All right, let's get some more. Indy estimate trucking LLC. Starting with the 2017 to 21 O-line classes, choose your best O-line combination. One player from each class per position, two backup, seven total spots. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And I can only, let's see, I can only pick one per class and two backups. So 17, you had, let's see, Hainsey on that team, Banks and Lug. So let's see what that group had. Banks and Lug. The 18 group was, that was the down year. The only guy that I'd consider from that one is Patterson. The 19 group was Carell, Quinn Carroll, Christophic would be the only ones I'd consider from that one. Right. And then 2020 was Baker and Carmody. And then 2021 was the Fisher Alt Spindler class. Right. So 
All right, so let's look at this. If I could, if I could do this class, I can only pick one guy per class. I'd have Joe Walt as my left tackle from the 2021 class. Uh, let's see here. Boy, this gets a little bit tough. All right, so I'd have Zeke Carell as my center from the 2019 class. I'd have Jarrett Patterson at guard. Reason why is because I think Patterson's a better guard than Zeke Carell was. He'd be my left guard. And then I would take, oh boy, I'd take, hmm, Hainsey or Banks from the 2017 class and make them a guard. And then I'd, who, I'd have to take, I'd, I'd have to take, I could either make Hainsey at right tackle and then Carmody at guard, but I'd probably like the Banks Baker combination better. So I don't love that line because I, because the problem is you got four of your four your in my opinion your four of your five best players are from two classes, so I don't necessarily love that line. And then of course my backup would be Hainsey and and Blake Fisher would be my two backups for that line. But yeah, I wouldn't love that. I wouldn't love that line because I'd want to have. I mean, how do you not have Banks and if I could now? Here's what I'm going to cheat and say: What would be my my class if I could have anyone from 2017 to 2021? That's a lot easier for me. Um, I would have Joe Walton, Blake Fisher tackle. I'd have Robert Hainsey and, and Aaron Lug or Josh Lug at guard. And I have Jarrett Patterson at center. I, I, that's the best four man group. Brian, would you agree that of that, those classes, that's the best, the best five man. So it'd be Alton Fisher at tackle. It'd be uh, Hainsey and Aaron Banks at guard Patterson at center. So then I'd have Lug as a backup. I'd have Zeke Carell as a backup. Andrew Kostopic as a backup. Tosh Baker as a backup. Michael Carmody's backup, Rocco Spindler's backup. So that's that's what I would go with. That would be mine. That would be mine. Rob Osgood says, what can Jared Parker do to make sure the offensive starts off fast in games this year instead of the past where it took a while? I'd love to see that that classy bully attitude early in games. Well, I think a, I think a couple things are, uh, if your quarterback's better, it's, you're going to start better. Let's just be honest about that. It, it, the combination of a good offensive line and a, and, a, and, a, and a veteran quarterback should help. You should be able to run the ball a little bit better. I think establishing the run early is important. I think finding finding ways to get some easy completions early is, is good, whether it be screen game, quick game, RPOs. Uh, take a couple shots early to try to loosen the defense up and maybe ca- catch them on a big play. I think those things you do early in games. But then what? where does it start? Because, you know, what, what's the preparation like? And so – you know, I think early in the week, really challenging them with a lot of tough looks, a lot of a lot of challenging looks, and you know, kind of early middle of the week, and then as you get closer to the game, just start getting into that perfect, the perfection type of periods where you're just really going through the script on Thursday, going through the script on walkthroughs on Friday, uh, really making sure. I'm a big believer in scripts. I mean, and others aren't, and that's fine, and it works for them. It's just about picking what works for you. I'm giving you my advice, and and I'm a script guy something where I just feel like the players on Thursday and Friday just kind of know what you're doing. It comes from what's really worked for us during the week, what we think really can work against our opponent and just coming out in that game and just having a really good feel for let's come out and get rolling early. They know the script. They know we're going to try to run and then make sure that part of it is, is just ability to, to go out and say, okay, we're going to do some things that we, we're going to try to build for early success. And that doesn't mean being generic or vanilla. It just means doing some things that can get you some early some early good runs, some early good completions, being willing to take some shots. And maybe there's some things you can do early 
to maybe catch another team, uh, you say, hey, look, we really think that they're not good at adjusting to this type of motion. Or we really think if we did this schematically, we could catch a big play on them. And then take a shot early because that's something that you can do for a big, big play early. But at the end of the day, it comes down to is your offensive line blocking early and is your quarterback getting the ball where he needs to get too early. At the end of the day, all that other stuff, it, it has to end with the lines getting movement and the, and they're blocking well and the quarterback's getting the ball where he needs to get to. That, and the end result, if that's what you're doing, then you're going to be fine. And, I mean, like la- what was interesting last year is, I mean, the first series of the game, Notre Dame hits an RPO, goes 54 yards, goes down and gets a field goal. So you're thinking, wow, this is, this is going to be pretty good. And then after that, it was like, Ugh. It was not it was not it was not good so i think those it's execution man wasn't that the big thing last year we kept saying after every almost every game we got to execute better got to execute better got to execute better it's got to execute better it's it's cliche but it's also it's also true k grant with a super chat go get on the message board i agree completely with k grant i know he's on the message board and uh, I'm actually kind of happy because we we made a decision recently where we got rid of PayPal, and that meant that we I took a lot of people off the rolls because all the people that use PayPal to to pay, and we're we're back beyond where our numbers were at the time, and so we got back there a lot quicker than I thought we would. So I appreciate all of you for, for that use PayPal that have j- jumped back on uh, using our different format. It's very very much appreciated, very appreciated. Cameron Force says, good Friday today. Very emotional, but this show always makes my day. I'm glad we could do that. I'm very glad we could do that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much, Cameron. Joe asks, uh, what do you guys think about the Hugh Freeze comments on how the NCAA should allow inter-squad scrimmages in the spring? I do not care for that at all. I understand why some coaches would want to do it. And personally, for me as a coach, I don't want to do that. I, I'm a big believer that the spring is very much a get back to basics period. I don't want to have to prepare for a game because like what his comment was, it wasn't like Bama is going to play Ohio State. It was more like I think his expression was like Bama would play Troy and maybe Auburn play UAB or, you know, and then my examples be like Notre Dame plays well, like Indiana State or I don't know, Central Michigan, Western Michigan. It's right up the street. Ohio State plays Ohio U or something like that. It wouldn't be like, you know, Notre Dame plays Purdue per month, really. I I just don't like it. I, I really believe, again, spring's about your team. It's about fundamentals. It's about basics. It's ending the spring on a fun note. I don't want there to be another – I don't want tra- – I don't have to travel costs. I don't want – I don't. I just want to get my team mentally right as part of that process where I think a scrimmage should be been, should be used – I'm a big believer in and having a scrimmage sort of late in fall camp. Well, I don't know if I would say the week before, but maybe 10 days before your first game, you know, 10 to 10 to 10 to 12 days before your first game. That's when I would want to have um, something is in fall camp, not in the spring. I have, I have zero interest in that for the spring. I'd be much more prone to let's talk about getting a, some scrimmages with a similar format in the fall. I think that would be much, much more beneficial. John A1, when eating lunch, what is your favorite side? French fries, potato chips, or something else? I mean, it just depends on the lunch. I mean, what what am I having? Um, something I've been having lately with lunches, I've been making homemade fries, like air fry, cut up potatoes and make homemade air fry. But, you know, sometimes it's a fruit. Sometimes it's, 
piece of bread. It just depends on, on what I'm having as my, my meal. Sometimes I don't have anything as a side, but if I'm going to have a sandwich, you know, so like, let's just say for lunch, I'm going to have a turkey sandwich. I'll put like turkey provolone lettuce on it. Uh, last week I was making a roast beef and turkey sandwich. I love, I love that as a combination of a sandwich. And I made, uh, I made some homemade fries. So I don't fry them. I mean, air fry them. So they don't have as much stuff on them. And then I had some celery as a side that was that was my side so uh, it just depends on what i'm eating it depends on what i'm eating t guns crocs and glocks do you prefer your wings with a bone or are you ordering chicken nuggets i if i'm getting wings i'm having wings they're gonna have a bone in it if you get boneless wings it's not wings it's they call them wings but they're not wings they're like you said chicken nuggets so uh i'm a wing guy so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. That reminds me, I need to take some of those wings out of the freeze. We do a, I do a monthly meat order through this place called Moink and they have really good meat. I got some chicken wings last couple times ago and I keep forgetting to take them out of the freezer in the garage and put them in to make them. So they're, they're a bit of a pain to make. I'm, I'm not really good at finding that spot in the middle to cut them in half. I got to get better at that. But uh, other than that, I, I enjoy them very, very much. Let's get to the next question from Chris Govia. Buy or sell? Sam Hartman breaks Brady Quinn's single season touchdown record. Well, boy, that's a good question. Am I? I'm going to sell just because I think that the fact that that they're going to have the kind of running backs that they're going to have and the offensive line they're going to have, I think they're going to probably be a, a team that's a, a run, more run success in the red zone than, than maybe past success. But I was kind of studying Sam Hartman's numbers. And, and last season, Sam Hartman threw 38, 38 touchdowns last year. So, so keep in mind too, like it's, he's certainly capable of it. And if he just simply repeats what he did in either of the last two years, Sam Hartman breaks the record. Sam Hartman threw 38 touchdowns last year and 39 touchdowns the year before. So he's certainly capable of it. But I was sitting there thinking like, you know, like, first thought I have is, well, they, they probably had a lot of you know, 10, fewer than 10 yard touchdowns because they can't run the ball. Well, so he probably had like a little five yard slides and fade route, stuff like that. And then I looked at the numbers and of his 38 touchdowns, only let's see, four, six, seven, only eight of his 38 touchdowns were 10 yards or less. Or And, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy. He threw 16 touchdowns last year that covered at least 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. That's a great number. That's a really, really good number. And so if Notre Dame can have that kind of success, then he's certainly going to be capable of breaking that record. I just assumed that a lot of his touchdowns were going to be short touchdowns. For example, last year, you know, Notre Dame only threw 22 touchdowns. Eight of them were less than 10 yards, and 12 of them were beyond. They, they had 10 touchdowns that were, were, were traveled 20 yards or more. Uh, that, that was an, I was impressed by that number and how few of them were less than 10. So if the, if he repeats that then that's um that's going to be an impressive impressive number. I just feel like with the way Notre Dame runs the ball, I just I I if I had to bet, I'd take the I'd sell, but I don't do it with a great deal of confidence at this point in time. John A1 says, "What are your five college non-conference matchups you'd like to see? Teams you'd want to play each other?" scheduled or not over the next two years that's a good question especially like the fact that you said it's the scheduled part i would love i don't know what it is 
but I would really enjoy an Alabama USC matchup. I don't know what it is, but I've just always liked when those two teams play and it doesn't happen often. Maybe it's the different colors of maroon. It's the dip completely different like universes. You've got Alabama and Los Angeles, uh, West coast versus Southeast. I, I think that'd be a great matchup. Um, Notre Dame, Texas is one that I would, I, I, I would like as we kind of think about this, some other non-conference matchups. So you get the big 12 taken care of there, you get the sec and the PAC 12, uh, I, you know what's a game that I really enjoyed a couple of years ago that I'd love to see that I'd love to see again out there is Ohio State Oregon. You, know, you got the two big O programs. They have the flat. They're the flashy teams. I think the West Coast, Midwest. I think the Ohio State Oregon would be a good one. I'm sure Ohio State fans would love to get a little rematch game against Oregon after what happened to them when they played Oregon in 2021. That'd be another one. And then let's see number five. What would be a Another game, a fifth non-conference game that I would really like to see. I am going to go with. I'm going to go with Florida playing anyone on the planet above the Mason-Dixon line. That's what I would like to see. I'd like to see Florida actually go above the Mason-Dixon line to play a game. That would be great. So let's just say Florida and Ohio State in the Urban Meyer Bowl. How about that? And then we'll take away Ohio State from Oregon and we'll have we'll have uh, Penn State play Oregon. Here's why Penn State, Oregon, the most boring uniforms of college football against the most insane uniforms of college football. That's why I'm going with that one. How about that? Uh, those those are ones that just kind of off the top of my head. I would I would I would have some fun with. So yeah, there's that one. Let's let's move on to the next one. T-Guns, Croc, Crocs and Glocks. If you could pick one of for the backyard. Are you picking a pool without a heater or a hot tub? Is your answer the same with adding a heater to the pool? Honestly, neither. I am not a pool hot tub outside guy because it sounds cool, but you know how much maintenance and how much that costs? I'm way too cheap to have a pool or a hot tub outside. Way too cheap. I would rather just have a really nice bathtub that if my wife wants to have a hot tub or bubble, she can turn it on. I, I would have neither. I know I've, I've, I grew up as a community pool guy, right? Like we, we used to go to the pool in Delphus. There's this giant pool in Delphus, Ohio that we would go to as kids. I'm more of a community pool guy. I was never, and maybe that's because I didn't grow up with money and it was just never a thing. But the only pools that people had in my family were like the above ground pools. Oh, it was the worst. Uh, so I've never been much of a pool guy, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just, and that stuff's expensive. Are you, well, here's the, are you paying the bills, Tony for uh, Tommy for the, uh, for like the maintenance, if you're paying the bills, I would like to get a pool because I'd like to have, it'd be a good workout. You know, you could get you, my life, my wife loves to swim. Uh, so like if I was, if I was ever going to have something like that, and let's just say I actually was wealthy enough to do that, which I'm not, I would love to have like a house, like kind of out in the country with like a big yard and like a, like a really long, like, um, like not, maybe not as wide, but a longer pool that you can kind of swim laps. It'd be a great workout. Uh, my wife would certainly love that, but I'm not. I'm not much. Of, I'm not much of a hot tub guy. To be honest with you, I I get in those for a couple minutes. I'm like, this. Okay, I'm too hot. I gotta get out of here. This is ridiculous. So, and I'd have to pay for it, and it's too expensive and too much maintenance. So, hard pass on the uh, hard pass on either one of those. To be honest with you, unless you're paying for it, Tommy, then I'm I'm good. I'll take both of them. You're paying for the pools and the maintenance. That's cool. I'll take both of them. 
Rob Osgood with a question, World War II question. If you had to be a tanker in World War II, what tank would you want to be in regardless of what side? Well, I'd want to be in a Sherman because I would want to be a tanker under General Patton. That's a, that's a, I mean, it, it's it, the, the two, to me, the two best, I mean, and they're both well known. Some people could argue that there's others that should be in the conversation, but you had Rommel with the Germans, with the Panzers, and you had Patton with the Shermans, primarily the Shermans. And so those, to me, were the two best tank commanders in the in that war, for the most part. There's a couple others. Like Montgomery, I think it was Mont- was it who was the guy from Britain? Was it Montgomery? I can't remember who that was that that did did uh, all that work in North Africa uh, with their tanks fighting against the Panzers. But I'm an American man, and and I'd want to fight under General Patton if I was alive back then. So I and if I'm going to fight under General Patton, then I'm going to be in a Sherman. So that would be. So to me, it's more, it's not so much, I mean, obviously the, the quality of the tank matters, the, you, know, you, you need that, but to me, it's, it's also, what also is important is being under a, a, a general who's going to lead you to, to success. And that's General Patton, in my opinion. So that, that would be my answer. Would be my answer. Event ND, are, are the dancing gifts from January, February still dancing? Seems like the longest public commitments have dragged out. You are not kidding on that one. One of them, uh, two of them we still expect to happen, just don't know when. And one of them we don't expect to happen anymore because of a coaching change. So uh, we'll, we'll describe them when those things happen. We'll, we'll, we'll announce kind of what they were when they happened. But yeah, three of those are still out there. John A1 says, growing up, a wide receiver became, growing up, a wide receiver became legendary if they weren't scared to run through the middle of the field. Michael Irvin and Terrell Owens made huge catches consistently while facing a big hit. Part two says, is there an element to that? Uh, is there an element to that in today's game or anything like it in the modern game? No, I don't think so. Because now it's like if you really crush a receiver, it's a 15-yard penalty. Like, like Sean Taylor could not play in today's era the way he played with the Redskins in Miami. It just I don't like it, I, but he can't. Steve Atwater would probably be a linebacker in today's game. You just you can't hit receivers like that. I don't like it, but uh, it's created receivers that have a lot more courage over the middle. And look, it's all the rule changes are all about TV. It's not so much that the game is better. Some people think it is. Some people don't. It's just the case with everything. I personally don't. But it's all about the TV ratings and and offense sells to the casual fan. The diehards. It's like baseball. What's about the other day? Baseball. A diehard, a long term baseball fan, somebody that grew up in the game, who's an older fan, is going to love a, a one nothing pitcher's duel with great defense. Enjoy that. Today's fans, they want runs, and so many of these leagues are are, are catering the casual fan because they know the diehards more often than not aren't going to leave. So no matter what you do, the diehards are going to stick with you. But it's it's what can they do to to promote more casual fans to watch, and that's that's scoring. And I, I'm somewhat I'm somewhat sympathetic to it because, like I've said this before, it's probably his own like soccer. You can win one to nothing, and it'd be a dominant win, and it just bores me to death. And if I didn't grow up playing baseball and loving baseball as a, as a kid, I'd probably feel the same way about baseball. It's just I played the game and loved the game and and loved the game and the way it was when I was growing up, and I just don't enjoy it anymore. All right, let's get to some more here. Uh, Nathan Milton, Brian, what is your least favorite nickname? I'm telling you that because then you're going to call me that. So I'll tell you my favorite one is I grew up, everybody called me BD, uh, Brian Driscoll, BD. Uh, John Garcia calls me that, which I was like, dude, you know, that was my nickname growing up. Right. So John calls me that, but uh, that was my favorite nickname growing up was BD. All my coaches called me that growing up real imaginative, right? 
Uh, Archer four five two. Could you imagine Jack Tatum today? I mean, Jack Tatum, Ronnie Lott, those guys couldn't play in today's era. You know, somebody just said Chuck Bednarik would be in prison. You're absolutely. Dick Buckus would literally have fel- felony assault charges against him with some of the stuff he did, like the clotheslines and stuff he did. Then some look, some of that stuff I'm good with. Like some of the stuff was like, dude, that's not football. That's dirty. But like, it's just getting to the point now. Or so it's just so, like. Like I'm seeing, I'm watching the NFL playoffs, and like a guy lands on a quarterback, and that's a penalty. That's just this is dumbest thing ever. And it's just like, what was the one? There's a D tackle that kind of like rolled up on Tom Brady, and it was just like, oh my god, 15 yard penalty. And I'm like, this is stupid. This is such a soft league. And that's not about player safety. That's about protecting quarterbacks because they're your money people. I think that's silly. I just, I can't stand it. I just don't enjoy. That's why I don't enjoy the NFL. And the prop here's the problem. So many NFL people and so many money people that have ruined this sport and my, for me, for me, some people love the NFL. That's fine. For me are trying to do the same thing in college football. And I just, I can't stand it. I just really can't stand it. (laughs) 